Hey there, Vernacular Faithful. Redcoat here. And Cedar Joinson. And we've got another podcast for you. And uh, today's going to be a little bit different. It's another off-the-cuff discussion. Yeah, but rather than like a straight-up interview, uh, this is going to just be more of a discussion back and forth as we talk about uh, kind of the topic of designing a game world where you're intending to not have fast travel or potentially also not have a map. These are kind of a related concept. Uh, just off the top, this is going to be talking about games that are not linear games. Linear games obviously don't really need fast travel or maps. Uh, those are things that are navigational aids, and a linear game is like, here's where you go. It is down this hallway, or this very nice set of hallways. Yeah, in, in general, with a linear game, the whole point of it is getting to the point that you're going to and getting through all of the stuff that's in your way to get there. Yeah, they're obstacle courses rather than uh, navigational challenges or whatever. Yeah, so with that in mind, I think the first thing we need to, we need to poke at here is you know, fast travel... Uh, and maps as a as a functional tool. Yeah, so I guess since we've presented that, or let's talk about fast travel first. So um, to me, fast travel is basically teleportation, right? It's, it's some way of going from point A to point B. Um, but I think I need to add a little bit additional here, because all I've described is traversing, right? Yeah. So there's a difference between something like a shortcut or a link, for lack of a, a better phrase. So, for example, what comes to mind is in Doom, there's teleport pads. Those technically take you from one place to another, but fast travel is not just a teleport pad. It's a specific, deliberate ability to go to a specific location. So, an example of this is, say, the Lord Vessel in Dark Souls. Dark Souls 1, you get the Lord Vessel, you unlock the ability to warp to specific bonfires. Now, this is a somewhat more limited form of uh, fast travel, uh, Ocarina of Time also has a limited form with warp songs, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to something like Dark Souls 2 or 3, where any bonfire can take you to any bonfire that's much more open. Uh, however, there's even more open forms uh, where you unlock specific nodes and you can just bring up some sort of like overworld map uh, and, and double-click on it. For example, uh, Shadow of War slash Shadow of Mordor, once you unlock the towers, you can just pull up your map and be like, I want to warp to this tower, please, and as long as you're not in combat, off you go. Yeah, well, it's interesting also that you bring that up, like, with uh, Shadow of War. War, right, not Mortar. Uh, they both have the, the Tower Warp 2 mechanic. Okay. Um, with the map idea, because, you know, that makes me think back to the old school, some of the old school games where you have the world map and you go you can go back and forth between stages. Um, and you use the map and you're like, I'm going to go here, so I'm going to do this stage. Um, which is a bit different. Um, yeah, it's a bit different, because these are, like, locations within the map. Um, like Shadow of War in particular, like Shadow of Mordor has two maps. Uh, Shadow of War has a bunch more, has like five or six. Yeah. Um, and in those, you can go to different regions as well. You can fast travel to the warp points within each region. But yeah, it's, the towers also serve as a respawn point. Yeah. Um, one of the key things with fast travel, uh, just talking about it just generally, um, is frequency, uh, by which I mean how many locations can you fast travel to. Yeah. So, for example, Ocarina of Time has six. Yeah. Um, whereas, say, Shadow of War has a lot more, where each map has, like, three to six, sort of, mm-hmm. places you can fast travel to, but it's still somewhat limited. Or, like, um, Dark Souls 1 has a much more limited set of places you can fast travel to than, say, Dark Souls 3, because in Dark Souls 3, there's a lot more bonfires that are, you know, you can go to any of them. Yeah. 
So this discussion is about designing without fast travel or perhaps more with minimal or restricted fast travel. Yeah. Sort of the idea that um, the player can't just, like, warp to wherever they want to go. There are a lot of advantages to fast travel. It cuts out a lot of backtracking, for example. Yeah, and it's, it, in general, it expedites certain elements of play where now you don't have to spend time um, running all, all the way over to any particular place. Yeah, like... It's interesting, actually, but, like, airships in old-school RPGs yeah. are actually kind of a slow form of fast travel. They're, they exp- they expedite the process. Yeah. Because it's, it's basically, um, not only do they usually open up more places that you can go, but it's also just, I want to go here, so I'm just going to go, woo, and it takes me, like, a few seconds as opposed to walking across the entirety of the... Uh, field and going across the specific bridges to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Um, actually, Tales of Symphonia had that sort of thing going on, too. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because it is kind of like a form of fast travel. Actually, flying in Pokemon is another form of fast travel. Yeah, well, that's well, that's expressly that because you can you can go anywhere that you want to or need to go by flying, pretty much. Uh, well, you can just go to towns that you've visited but the um, laddie in the, was it Omega Ruby, mm-hmm. Alpha Sapphire? Yeah. Um, those ones, I believe you could get a Ladius or Ladios, and that would allow you to kind of do a flying fast travel thing that's a lot more... A lot more similar to... Yeah, that, that gives you a lot more options. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So when thinking about the event, since we've talked a little bit about the advantages that are granted by fast travel, so what happens when you don't have it and what are what are good things that come from that um because obviously we know that the bad is you have to spend time getting anywhere right not having fast travel but what are the benefits of uh, not having fast travel and like one of the things that comes with this is that to do this you have to have a very strong environmental design i think i agree because without an environment that is engaging to pass through and, and repeatedly engageable, really, then not having that fast travel, it becomes way more apparent, and the player gets bored very quickly. Yeah, so you definitely want to be very conscientious about map size and how the map connects together. The advantages is that I think you can make a stronger, more compelling world. Um, Dark Souls 3 has a lot of really well-designed zones, Yeah. but the height of Dark Souls world design is still considered to be the first one. And part of the reason for this is everywhere uh, up through Anorlando, right, in, in the game. Because that world is super interconnected. And so it creates a sense of discoverability when you find a shortcut. Like, when you get to the Undead Parish and then you find the elevators that take you back down to Firelink Shrine and yeah. the world suddenly locks into place, connects better, that moment of discovery of sort of, I'm back to a familiar place as the world turns in on itself is really compelling. It's a very powerful emotional moment. Yeah, because that's something that also the original Super Metroid kind of did as well. The idea that um, you have to, to get anywhere, you have to go there. And the more things you gain throughout the game, the more new pathways and new explorations that you can embark upon. And so it makes navigation an additional skill to the game. Like understanding and remembering the environments and being like, oh, that thing. That thing that I saw back then, I can affect that now. I need to get back over there and let's check that out. Yeah. 
And there's actually something else that's really key. Um, fast travel, depending upon how it's implemented, but it gives the player an escape. Yeah. Right? So, for anybody who's ever gone to Tomb of the Giants, free Lord Vessel, mm-hmm. it is a commitment to sit at a bonfire down there. Yeah, because now you're, you're down there. You are in there for the long haul. Yeah, you have to get yourself back out. So, like, if you could just fast travel out of there, it's not as much of a commitment, but it's also, like, you don't feel trapped, right? And perhaps you don't want the player to feel trapped, but if you want to be able to create those moments, the player is like, I'm trapped here. I just have to find out how to get out of here. Yeah. Right? Then fast travel gives them a way out, and you might not want that. So depending upon what you're going for with some of the um, mechanical aesthetics of your game, you may want to consider something of like, yeah, no, you're, you're stuck. You can't leave. Yeah, because that makes me think to the Resident Evil, uh, the Resident Evil games, uh, specifically Resident Evil Two, because that's the one I played the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horror games would probably not want fast travel. Yeah, because fast travel it it immediately detenses certain things because now anytime you say you have limited amounts of things that you can carry, right? Mm-hmm. So a part of the skill in any particular exploration game that has limited uh, limited wares is remembering where you left things before and knowing I'm probably going to need to go back here so I need to leave this here so that I can pick it up later. And so always having having your stashes all over the world and just being like, I am prepared for whatever's happening even though it's not with me right now. Mm-hmm. There are some important considerations, by the way, when designing a world without fast travel. I already said that the world should... You need to be very conscious of that world's size. Yeah. Um, but also just creating ways for the player to navigate. Mm-hmm. And then also being very conscious of hubs. So, for example, um, Ocarina of Time has lost woods shortcuts. Yeah. As well as the shortcut from Lake Hylia, when you're a kid anyway, from Lake Hylia to Zoro's Domain. Those connections allow you to be able to get through the world more rapidly, more yeah. quickly. It's interesting, too, how they can also create senses of isolation, by which I mean the connection in the Lost Woods, taking you to Goron City, and therefore easy access to Kakariko Village or Death Mountain areas, as well as the Wondazoro's Domain. Mm-hmm. These kind of leave off the whole Gerudo area of the map. Yeah, and so that area feels especially isolated from everywhere else. Yeah. But at the same time, that river is a one-way trip to Lake Hylia, mm-hmm. which means that there's connections there. This sort of thing helps the world feel more cohesive, potentially, as well. Uh, but you do want to make sure that you're intentional about it. You also want to be really intentional about hub areas. So the, a hub area is naturally going to be a place where there's a lot of pathways. Uh, and sort of the need for being conscientious about this, of how you're designing it, what you're filling it with, um, how getting through it feels uh, is really important, but also making traveling through it interesting. By which I mean, like, if I come from point A and I'm going to point B, it should feel different than going from point B to point A, or point A to point C, or point C to point B, or B to C, that sort of thing, where which direction you're going through it makes a difference for how you're approaching navigating the area. Yeah, I mean, that's one that I think, again, Dark Souls does... um phenomenally well at least in its in its earlier zones like the very the starting zone in particular just from how you pass through it in any kit in any particular point of the game um like returning to it from the cathedral and coming out near where the uh, coming out where petrus is and then 
when you yeah, come... You talk about Firelink. Yeah, Firelink's running. Yeah, that, I think that's Petrus. Yeah, coming out there and then realizing that you're at you're back at the um, back at the main uh, back at that first fire, um, or when you come uh, when you the fact that you can go down to the Valley of the Drakes from there uh, and reach mm-hmm. other um, reach other points, and it's the fact that you can happen upon uh, depending on how you're going through the game, you can happen upon different areas and different ways of uh, different places just from exploring that area differently. Yeah, there's some areas that tend to be uh, specifically major hubs of like passageway. So like the Undead Parish area where Andre the Blacksmith is. Yeah. It's a really good idea for him to be there because it's, you know, it's got access to a number of different directions that you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like that one first bonfire in uh, the Undead Burg in sort of that area uh, leading up to, like, the Taurus Demon. That area is really useful because it gives you access up the uh, up the ladder yeah. later to the bridge area. Where the dragon is, mm-hmm. yeah. But it also gives you a quick access to the shortcut to the Undead Burke area. Oh, forgive me. Air quotes dragon is actually not a Like dragon. a wyvern, wyvern hellcat or whatever. Thing. What, it, it, it blows fire. It's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um... But there is actually an area that I'm kind of disappointed wasn't more of a hub, which is the Darkroot Garden area. Yeah. Um, that area has a number of connections going on with it, but really it's kind of like around the periphery. And if that area had been an area that traversed more, I think it would have been beneficial to the, the uh, Cat to the Covenant. design, yeah. Well, it would have been particularly beneficial to the Cat Covenant because if you incentivize players to travel through that area a lot, yeah, that's true, because you didn't really have to go through there if you wanted to get anywhere. No, you didn't. And there, if it did connect to more places, like um, if there was some way to get to the Ashwoods uh, from there. Well, not the Ashwoods, it's the... You're thinking of the Ash Lake. The Ash Lake. I'm sorry, my terminology is off. It's been a very long time since I played it. Yeah, but it's it's just one of those things where if you think about what do you want the player to be doing in, in an area? And if you make an area intentionally a hub area, like the Lost Woods actually works as a bit of um, a thoroughfare, an ocarina of time, yeah. because of those shortcuts between Zero's Domain, and in particular the one to Goron City, just because it's so useful uh, to be able to go from one place to the other. Um, especially since you get, can get Minuet of the Forest very early. This is another thing that's really important, is when you have limited fast travel like this, you want to think about where are the branching spokes from this fast travel location. Yeah. So, for example, Minio of the Forest gets you into the Lost Woods, which easily gets you to Kokiri Forest, but it also easily gets you to Goron City or near Zoro's Domain. So, in some regards, that single song, because of the way Lost Woods is set up, becomes a very significant form of fast travel because mm-hmm. it gives you easy access to that thoroughfare. It's kind of like an on-ramp to a highway. And... Uh, when you're looking at Dark Souls 1, for example, where you get the Lord Vessel and then you get to warp to specific locations, it reinforces things like Andre being a hub by having the Undead Parish be a warp bonfire. Yeah. So just things like that can be significant for setting that sort of stuff up. Or is it like a specific thing you want to take into to mind or be a consideration? Another element to really be keeping in mind when you're... If you're uh, considering removing uh, fast travel from your game, or considering like, mm, just should we have this? Is is traveling in of in of itself a fun aspect of the game? 
Yeah. Because that's one of the things that the Spider-Man open world games really benefited from. And it's another aspect of, while I do believe they have limited elements of fast travel in them, um, specifically the infamous games and uh, trying to remember the other one came out at the same time. Anyways, um, with, the, with those superhero open world games, which is basically what they are, Um, one of the things that they really try and emphasize is that being the hero and getting from point A to point B is a fun experience in of itself. Like, even Mm -hmm. Hulk Ultimate Destruction, even though you don't have a swinging power, you have Hulk Jump. And jumping from, going from building to building and jamming your fists into them to climb up them and stuff like that. Yeah, no, this goes back to an idea that I have about, um making movement engaging, right? Or because an open field where you don't have any ability to influence how quickly you move across it is extremely boring to to navigate. Yeah. Right? There's nothing interesting happening. But if you have movement skills, even something as simple as Dark Souls, hold down the run button and manage your stamina, it creates some level of interest, even just a baseline, Yeah. that greatly helps. And so something like, say... I guess Spider-Man 2 or, or one, any of those Spider-Man open world games or like uh, Batman Arkham Arkham, uh, yeah. Arkham City. Where you can glide and everything. Yeah, where you have the, the zip rope and the gliding and all that sort of stuff. Like things that make navigation interesting. So there's two skills related to navigation. The first one is actually doing the, the movement between mm-hmm. point A and point B. And making that interesting helps tremendously. And that's very, very useful. Um, but another thing that can be uh, quite beneficial is having knowing how to get around be a skill that the player can take pride in. Yeah. So that's like, again, going back to Ocarina of Time because it's, it's easy in my mind, but knowing how to get from, um, say, you're in, I don't know, Lake Hylia and you want to get to Kakariko Village, what's the fastest way to get there? Well, if you're a kid, it might be go to Zoro's Domain, into the Lost Woods, over to the uh, warp to the Goron City and out through Goron City. Mm-hmm. And, like, having a sense of how to route can be a skill that can be very fun and engaging. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's another thing that Dark Souls does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because the, the very idea of making a character... Because when I play the games, I always play it with a, um, with a specific character mindset in mind of, like, I'm going to be a magician or what have you. Mm-hmm. But the different needs that your character has determines what route you want to take throughout the game. And so having a knowledge of the geometry of the world and how things interconnect becomes a skill because you immediately plot out, I'm going to go here, and then I'm going to cut through this area, which saves me time and puts me at this point where I get this item, which allows me to get to this way, and you get this whole routing plan yeah. where you want to go. Something else, actually, that I thought of that's really worth bringing up in this discussion is having fast travel means that your players might skip stuff. They might skip points of engagement. Yeah. So not having fast travel means that your player is going to re-encounter specific things, potentially. Yeah. So, like, in Dark Souls, you're going to have the same set of enemies that you're going to run into. Yeah. This allows the player to be able to accumulate additional resources. So it, you... If you have fast travel, you have to consider what happens because the player isn't doing as much backtracking. Yeah, because they don't pass through an area on a repeated basis. Because this is actually a core part of certain design of RPGs, actually. Mm -hmm. Where 
they know that you need to be at a certain level to fight a boss. So they put an expanse of land between you and the next mission or zone, which means that there is a very high chance that you're going to encounter a certain amount of battles, which means that you will gain a certain amount of XP. Yeah, and that'll prepare you for it. Or, again, you can potentially run into equipment that you need that way, or uh, other things that you run into. because Or uh, a really good example, actually, is something like, say, a Metroid game, Yeah. where if you don't have fast travel and you have to go through a zone, you might be like, oh, right, there was a thing here that I can now interact with that I couldn't before. Yeah, because uh, if you just had the ability to to fast travel, you wouldn't have that opportunity to notice. Yeah, so you might miss something. And that's a big part of designing a game without fast travel, is just that aspect. Um, one aspect to me is just the interest of the world itself, making sure that there is a lot to notice and there's a lot to see, and so going a, combing across it multiple times is interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing, is you want to make it so that way it doesn't feel like backtracking to the player. Yeah. Per se. I know in the superhero games, um, and I'm also going to count, oh, um, what was Purple Aesthetic, you were a gangster. Uh, Saints Row. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's it's particularly Saints Row 4 when you had superpowers. Yes, yeah, Saints Row 4 is particularly superhero-esque. Very Matrix-y, too. Yeah, it's a fun game. But... One of the things that's particularly interesting about those games is that you traverse, you do a lot of traversal, um, but at least in a lot of the superhero games, you get this thing of where people call out for help all the time, and mm, you can mm-hmm. randomly come across citizens in trouble, and you're like, I'm going to go help them, because that's what I'm doing. I'm on patrol. Yeah, no, you can absolutely do stuff like that, where um, you can pop up stuff to engage in, because there's like things here, right? Yeah. So it's, it's making sure that there's points of engagement while the player is, you know, getting from point A to point B. And it also makes me think a little bit of uh, Yakuza, actually, although it's a much smaller world than um, than most of the ones that we've talked about. Because it's basically mm-hmm. just, uh, I believe it's Shibuya District. Uh, I Don't quote me on that. I'm not going to be a little help you. But, yeah, it's a, it's a part of Japan. Um, it's a city in Japan. And basically... The area is just extremely detailed. There are, there are almost all of the buildings you can kind of go into, and they all have their own little mini-games and events in them. Like, you can play, you can play remote-controlled cars in certain of them. You can play a grab-me, uh, not a grab-me gotcha game, the, the crane games. Oh, um, those things. Yeah, and, you know, all through, you can wander through town and find all sorts of things. You can play Mahjong in that game. Um, but there's all sorts of random things that you can run into, and every time you go through the city, you might find something new. Um, and of course, to keep things a little bit fresh as you're walking around, enemies will just show up, and, <laughs> like, the, one of my favorite quests in that game was Majima Everywhere, who's this, he's this guy that, um, in the past, you were considered to be stronger than him, and he just loved the fact that you could beat the crap out of him because nobody else could beat him up. Ah. And then you go into jail for a while, you lose your skills, and when you come out, he's like, I can beat the crap out of you easily. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Uh, you need to get your skills up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to randomly ambush you at random points, and you're going to have to fight me and get better. 
so that you can beat my ass again. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the... Um, it makes me think a little bit of the... Uh, oh, Yuza? I forget exactly what they're called. But the the evil Sheikah tribe in Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. They're just like, Hello! Beat the crap out of you now. Get better. Get good. <laughs> yeah, I keep wanting to call them Yuga, but that's the villain in uh, Link Between Worlds. Anyway. Um, so all of this stuff is actually does have a lot of connections to not having maps. Yeah. And and when we say maps, we mean like a GPS system. Yeah. A a guidance system that says go here, go here, go there. And so you don't have to do any of the memory or engagement with the world around you. Or even just like you're here and here's everything about the world around you, right? Yeah. Where you're spending more time looking at the map and where you're going rather than rather than the world looking at the you. world around you and finding your way through it. It's like that old adage, um, the way a man figures out where he's at is to get lost in it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because there's different levels of that sort of thing. Like, I think to Doom, for example, mm -hmm. and Doom has a map, and it, you can have it follow you. Uh, yeah. So you can navigate by it, but you cannot see anything because it's just lines. Ah. And, and so, like... Yes, technically you can navigate with the map, but it's mostly useful for figuring out where you are and where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, a real world map where you don't have a position on. I mean, a lot of us today are familiar with something like uh, a GPS system yeah. which can position where you're at, but um, using satellites and other technologies. And uh, a lot of games have this sort of functionality in it. But it's like the level of detail of like how much... Can you just navigate the world by looking at this map? Yeah, that I mean that comes to the idea of landmarks and just mm -hmm. the variability of your of your world. Like the most recent Spider-Man game is one of those places is one of those worlds that you can actually be you can say, I am in this district because the buildings are different, the um, the way uh, the way the skyline looks is different. Um, like there's actual functional detail to just how the world is constructed so that you know where you're at. That sort of thing's really important. Things that allow you to be able to um, identify where you're at, what's going on, and that sort of thing. Um, and this is where it's really important to have aesthetic differences, but it's also really important to have um, mechanical differences. And, and what I mean by that is not, not something like super elaborate, but just like this area has different topography. Yeah, different uh, different topography. It requires you to traverse it differently, perhaps. Yeah. So, like, for example, Dark Souls has the depths, which feels one particular way, but also is arranged in this particular way. Like, again, something that's really great about Dark Souls and why it's really good to look at is because it is a world where a lot of care has been taken to the construction of it. And so... Different areas have different aesthetics, but they also have very different mechanical designs. They have different emphases on how you're engaging with that zone. Yeah. So, like, the depths is a bunch of narrow hallways, right? It's functionally kind of similar in some regards to Blighttown, except it's enclosed and Blighttown's open. Mm -hmm. And Blighttown uses verticality and um, fall damage to control your navigation rather than straight-up walls. But the walls are there, you just can see through them yeah. sort of thing. Um, and so, like, that creates a different sort of sense. And then it's also just making sure that areas aren't so big 
and so bland that you kind of get lost in them. Yeah. Um, now, any game that you spend enough time in, you're going to be able to learn how to navigate in. And that's definitely, like... That's just a that's just a fact of life. Yeah. Because of how we're constructed, we will remember the things that we engage with. That's just how it works. But things like not having fast travel or having very limited fast travel where you kind of go through in multiple directions can make an area seem bigger than it is. Yeah. Um, or can give you a greater sense of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never done it before, go into like Dark Souls 3, for example, which kind of encourages going through the levels in a very specific way. And just try going backwards. Mm. And see what happens. Yeah, it, because it becomes a different experience. Um, so... Well, I feel like we've... We've covered a lot of different. We've covered a lot of different concepts here, but I think we want to get back to that core concept that we were digging at, which is just like so. You can design a world without fast travel, and you can also design a world without maps. And the the basic idea, the basic concept here being that these are these are conveniences that make things faster and more efficient for players, but there are experiences that can only be had without them. Yeah. And the emphasis is on navigation, right? It's on the player's navigation skills, both in figuring out where they are, where they're going, and figuring out how to get there. Yeah, and I think the one of my big one of my big things when deciding, you know, whether or not you're going to put it in there, I think is that concept of when you're when you're putting your player into the into that world, do you want them to for lack of a better term, essentially live in it? Um, or do you want them to just kind of... They, they go in for a while and do some things, and then they don't, have to, they don't have to attach any particular part of their mind to it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, well, it's... How much is the game playing itself for them? Is, is part of what's going on, in particular with maps. Yeah, right? yeah. Is it's the idea that if a game is about exploration, then you want the player to explore. And it becomes a question of, is it more about just finding the place the first time, and then we never really want to do that again? Or is it more about learning about the whole, the gestalt of the place itself, and learning uh, and continually finding new things within the spaces that you're crossing? Yeah. So, I think for me, some of the big important things to take away is, Fast travel is perfectly fine. It's not a bad thing. Maps are not a bad thing. These are things that can be great to have, but understand why you're having them in your game. And there's also, I think, a, an important question to ask when you're having, uh, in, in particular, fast travel, is why do you feel that you need it? Is your game too big? Is your modes of transportation too slow? Is movement too um, unengaging? Like, these are problems that you should address regardless of whether or not you have fast travel. So, for example, Breath of the Wild is a very big game, and it does have fast travel. You unlock shrines, you can fast travel to them. Yeah. However, it also has a horse. Mm-hmm. And the horse moves pretty quickly. It's also really beautiful to look at. It also has gliding. It also has gliding. That's a lot of fun. Like, there's a lot of different ways to traverse the terrain in that game. And yeah. at fairly fast clips. Yeah, for sure. And, like, one of the DLCs adds a motorbike. Yeah, that... That thing's fun. Comes out of left field, if you ask me, but I won't deny that it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's very nice, and it also has a teleporting horse 
that that you can get so that way you can actually have your horse with you when, after you've climbed up the mountain and over the other side. <laughs> um, but, like, my point is they have fast travel in that game, but they've also addressed the underlying reasons why you would potentially need fast travel of, like, is it really boring to go these vast distances? Well, they've added stuff to increase your movement speed in the form of, like, a horse or a motorcycle. They've done things like... Uh, making sure that navigation is fun with like gliding and climbing and, and things like that. They've also, I mean, they've also made it so that the process of traveling through the world can give you resources where you find an ingredients for the different things that you can cook or you find uh, different, uh, the weapons that you, uh, that you will br eventually break. So the basic point is like fast travel helps that game. It does, because it is a large world, and sometimes you do want to get from one side to the other. But they also made it a game where it's fun to just hop on your horse or your motorcycle and ride from one end to the other as well. Yeah, well, it comes back to the core intent that they were going for on the game, uh, and this is my inference, and also from just reading a lot of the stuff about what they were going for. Uh, they wanted to get back to what the original Legend of Zelda was like, where it was... You were kind of set out there, and you poked around and found the stuff that you needed to. It was to simulate the idea of playing in your backyard and finding new and interesting things. So the core concept of exploration is a big part of the game. Yeah. So making that in of itself fun, um, while still having the fast travel to expedite the extremely long distances that you'll have to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, I feel that that was a very good decision. Yeah. So I guess kind of the warning here is to make sure that you're not using fast travel as a crutch to cover up uh, bad design because your bad design might come through in the end. Yeah. yeah. Bad design is bad design. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think those are, are mostly our thoughts on it. I will say that the biggest danger with maps and the reason why I thought it was worth bringing up, at least for me personally, is because of the navigating by looking at your compass problem. Yeah, where you stop looking at the world around you. Yeah. And uh, that one is much trickier to, to deal with at times. Yeah. But it's just making sure that the player can figure out how to get to where they're trying to go without having to stare at the map. And that there's enough stuff going on in the world that they want to look at it. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've uh, gone in on this one for a fairly long while. So. Yep, I think we've probably been pretty thorough. So... Join us next time for uh, the conclusion to Season 2. Until yeah. then, this is Cian here, signing off. And this is Redcoat, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos. <laughs>